This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. We're talking today again with Allison Jingris. She has a brand new book, Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with Sacraments, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God. That's available right now on Ave Maria Press. Allison is the founder of Reconciled to You Ministries, ReconciledToYou.com. We've had her on the show before. You can find those previous episodes over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click the guest list, go down to Allison's name, and find those episodes as well as this one. Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm always excited to talk to other people on the journey. So for me, I'm a convert uh, into the faith. And one of the things that that I maintained for a very long time for my Protestantism is uh, the, the, the essentials, right? What are the essentials of faith? What are those things that are, are doctrinal and are, um, are there to differentiate orthodoxy from heterodoxy to make sure that I'm in the right place, right? Uh, and so even upon becoming Catholic, we understand, and the, the Catechism talks about the difference between um, public revelation, the public revelation of the faith, and private revelation, uh, which within private revelation, you find a whole bunch of different devotions and practices that help people uh, live out their faith more fully. When I first became Catholic, I was really kind of uncertain, uneasy, unsure of those private revelations and and preferred to stick to those things that I knew were definitive, you know, in the catechism, definitively there for us all to believe. Uh, and so it took me a long time to really get to a place where those, those signs of faith, those sacramentals uh, and other spiritual practices really began to make sense and to be comfortable for me to engage in. And it sounds like, to some extent, you had a similar kind of relationship with the sacramentals. Uh, talk to me about that moment when they kind of broke into your life and you realized that you had to look at them in a different way. Well, I grew up Catholic, but I didn't even know these devotions existed, honestly. Mm -hmm. I just didn't get the catechism behind them. No one ever catechized me on even the rosary, like we prayed the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys when it thundered outside at our home and then our house got struck by lightning. True story. And that was the end of that prayer. So I didn't. <laughs> true story. It, did, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work in my nine-year-old brain, but my right. house did not burn to the ground. So clearly it worked. Right. But I wasn't brought up with any of these. And a friend gave me a miraculous medal and she said, it comes with promises. And I'm a woman of great anxiety. And one of my biggest anxieties, and I think other people share this with me, is I don't want to die. And it comes. I know I can't stop it. But there was this great fear around death. Um, and she said, one of the promises of this miraculous medal is if you wear it, the Blessed Mother will be with you in your death and that you will be um, protected from the fires of hell. And I thought, well, that sounds wonderful. Like, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the chance on that. And, and all I have to do is wear this thing around my neck, which, of course, is a little bit more to it. But um, that's kind of when I decided, wait a minute. What do you mean there's more to my faith that mm -hmm. than, than I know? Like, there's promises. God has promises. And we have these saints, these beautiful clouds of witnesses that encountered the faith in different ways, deeper ways. I, I just love the breadth of 
of our faith. The devotions, the traditions, the legacies, they're just, they're, they're boundless. And I didn't know about any of them. And once I started to uncover them, mm -hmm. I was, I was over, I just like, I need to know more. And again, it's the promises that really helped this anxious girl find peace and rest and why I started to adopt them. Yeah. Now people listening to that and they hear that there are certain pr uh, promises attached to whether, whether it's wearing a scapular or wearing a medal or they, they might look at that and say, well, that sounds like superstition that if you do this one thing, then all, these other things are somehow imbued in that practice. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people who have been a little anxious about not falling into superstition. And of course the church doesn't offer us superstition. So obviously there's more behind it than that. Uh, go in a little bit more. What, what does it mean for us to receive these promises through these actions? And how is that different than superstition? Well, every sacramental, the basis of it is a blessing and, a, and they come with a prayer. And that's where the true promises are, are answered, right? We pray we turn to the Lord and we uh, give ourselves to him in prayer. And the promises that come with that is that relationship that you build through the prayer, through the prayer of the, the um, sacramental, whether it be the praying the rosary or um, wearing the scapular, going to First Friday devotion for the Sacred Heart. The, the basis of it, kind of just to go to the bottom line, really, because I could talk for hours in circles and that would get us nowhere. The bottom line is every sacramental comes with a blessing and a prayer. And it is the through the prayer that we receive the grace that God has for us in that particular uh, devotion. So that, that promise that he makes is basically... When you when you follow me, when you turn to me in prayer, when you do your best, because none of none of us is going to do this whole thing per perfectly. We're just not. That's not how we're designed. But when you do your best, when you trust in Him enough to acknowledge Him through these devotions, then from Him comes graces and blessings. And I wonder how much of this is truly that the promises of God are attached to these practices as much as it is kind of the flip side that these practices help us to see and recognize the promises of God that are with us anyway, that through that devotion, through that uh, discipline of prayer or that specific drawing near to God, it's going back to scripture, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That as we draw near in prayer through these practices, those promises of his constancy, which are always there for us anyway, all of a sudden we have them at ready access because We've been meditating on it. We've been praying it. We, we we recognize him when he comes. And we know that they don't give grace. And, and I make sure I say that clearly. Like God has got abundant grace and there's all kinds of different graces. Wait for my next book. But there, <laughs> there's a little sneak preview. There's, a, there's just grace abounds everywhere. But the real true grace comes from the sacraments. Mm -hmm. And the sacramentals prepare us to receive the grace available in the sacraments. And you are 100% right. Like it's... In these devotions, we build a relationship. We prepare ourselves even more for the grace that we receive through the Eucharist, through confession, through our baptismal promises. I start, you know, the book by talking about our baptismal promises and how we are, are we're adopted into a family that that God has created for us, right? And in that comes legacies and um, 
heirlooms and all of these things and we in in our world in our earthly world we might call those like hey grandma handed down some jewelry but in the spiritual world we say oh look god handed down these devotions these ways of growing in our faith mm-hmm. well and you look specifically at the times that these devotions were given and at the circumstances that the person was in that received those we might have a different way of approaching those same devotions today uh, and there's some freedom in that right we don't have to be tied down to every single thing that was given at that time for a specific reason. But I think we also find as we look at the histories of these devotions, uh, some familiarity and commonality and realizing that our situations are not all that unique. The things that give us anxiety are not all that unique today. And we can find peace in those same methods that God gave to those who came before us, that great cloud of witnesses. Exactly. And I love that our, our faith has that those those things that connect us the the idea that i'm praying something that these little children in fatima prayed in 1917 is pretty remarkable like i'm saying the same words i am um putting on a scapula like saint simon sock did right i am doing all these things that my ancestors in faith in faith did and i find that remarkable i find that we we talk about being in communion, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no greater way to be in communion than to be together in prayer and in practice of prayer. And these devotions remind us of that, I think, anyway. So let's go back to the miraculous medal. You were given this miraculous medal. You were told that there were promises. Obviously, you've come to a fuller understanding now than you had at that time. Tell me about your relationship specifically with that devotion and maybe the journey of what you understood at the time to what you have come to understand today. So at the time I, I did, a. am going to, it's obvious that I looked at it like it was a, I I almost like a, like a lucky charm for Mm -hmm. sure. When I first received it, like I can just put this on and I'm going to be protected. Wow. But in studying the devotion and learning more about our lady of grace, the 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 miraculous medal has this image of Our Lady of Grace on it, and on and Mary is standing with her hands outstretched, and there are rays. There's um, dark rays and there's light rays, and she says to us, she says to Catherine Labre, the 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 rays are all the grace God has for us, but where you see the dimness is the time the, the grace not being used by not being asked for, not being accepted. And it was, the deeper I go with the, with this, I understand that there is a, um, that there's this grace. And I was like, well, what is grace? I didn't understand what grace was. And then it was this undeserved yet freely given gift of God's Holy Spirit within us. In the devotion, when I look at this miraculous medal now, it is a reminder to me that God is abundantly making himself abundantly available in my life to help me in all the different ways I need help and that he gives me everything I need to be a person here and to get to him in heaven. But what I need to do is embrace this grace. I need to embrace this life of faith that he's given to me. And as Mary points out, there is this gentlemanness of our Lord where we need to ask for. He's not going to break into our into our our lives. He mm-hmm. waits and he uh, gives us free will. So we need to 
embrace that by asking for this grace. But it is, it's not in want, it is in plenty, but we're the ones who don't understand that we need it. And for me, the miraculous medal, whenever I touch it, whenever I see it, reminds me I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I just need to turn to our Lord and ask for the grace for help in this moment. Well, and with all the sacraments, whatever they happen to be, um, we receive the grace from those sacraments to the degree in which we are disposed towards that grace, to the to the degree to which we are we have prepared our soul to receive that grace. And way back in the day, um, I uh, when I was doing pre cana, I would have uh, this image of a power station. Right, the the power station is such that. Uh, it is delivering all the power that you need in the same way that the cross of Christ delivers all the grace that we need for all of our situations in life. Uh, but you have to be able to access that power. That's the sacraments. The sacraments give us those guidelines into the house, right? That the power comes from the power station delivered to us through the sacraments. But then even more than that, I could have everything plugged in, but if I don't go around and flip on the light switches and I'm just walking around in the dark, even though all that power is there in the house for me. I'm missing out, even though the graces have been delivered to me, to my doorstep, uh, I, I'm not I'm not receiving them. I have to put myself in a place where I dispose myself of the graces by flipping on the sacraments, by spending time in prayer, whatever that happens to be, so that those sacraments are fruitful. I like that explanation. That's a very, I love analogy and I love visuals. So that one makes a lot of sense. And you know, to prepare our hearts to receive this grace, it and, and he doesn't make it difficult. You know, I always thought like being holy was really hard. Mm -hmm. And God's not going to ask impossible things. He, he makes things, he makes the impossible possible, but he's never going to ask us for the impossible. This simple ask, seek, knock, again, going back to the scriptures, yeah. right? How do we receive? We ask, we seek, we knock, and they, then the door will be opened and abundantly. And I noticed that in my own life because the simple task of accepting this gift of this medal, learning about it, putting it on, praying, really opened up in a completely new world to me, uh, as along with the scriptures, as I explain in the book. Like my faith was very, very lukewarm. I only went to church to get perfect attendance so that when I died, I could show St. Peter at the gates, look it, I have all my stickers on my... <laughs> On my church chart. <laughs> I, collect, I collected them all. I, I was so good. Like, I didn't miss a single star. But the Lord's like, oh, my goodness, Allison, I have so much more for you mm -hmm. than just perfect attendance. I have graces and blessings and joys and and peace and all of the beautiful virtues and, and all of the things that we need. And it doesn't mean my life is going to be perfect, which I did think, I've got to be honest, when I started to go back to church, I go, oh, look, I'm doing all the God things. That means nothing bad's going to ever happen. Yay. That, by the way, isn't what happened. Well, and, and, had, and that's another form of superstition as well. Exactly. If I but just I had, do the right steps then all of a sudden yeah. God's going to have to, he's going to be obligated to do the right things for me too. But what it did give me is that my, everything used to be a mountain for me, everything. And suddenly they were molehills and I had peace in places. I never had peace before. And it was because I wasn't journeying alone. I was using all the tools that God gave us in our, in our Catholic toolbox to grow in closeness to him, to hold on to my rosary beads, pray them. But sometimes I'm just holding them because that's all I have strength to do. 
But even in that, there is a grace that connects me to God. And it's a form of prayer that sometimes there's no words. So maybe I might hold um, my rosary beads or my one of my medals or like, again, they don't bring me, they're not superpower, but they do remind me of the superpower, capital S-P. I was talking with, um, you may you may know her, uh, talking with Meg Hunter-Kilmer uh, a couple of, several months ago. And in that conversation, one of the, I don't even remember what it was, she, she was talking about um, praying for other people and saying, I just, I just want to put them and I imagine them in my mind and I just want to put them in the presence of God. And, and I, that really resonated with me because I am not the greatest, uh, at, at putting my prayers to words, but that idea of just saying, I don't have to formulate a sentence mm. in my head. I can just be in the presence or, or have that person in my mind and say, here you go, God, this person is yours. And, and that be a, a petition for that person. And uh, the reason I bring that up uh, back to that idea of just reaching for the rosary beads, that's even without the formulation of the words, there is this sense of my heart wants to be close to you in this moment. And that, that is the prayer, even if the words don't come out. I've I've sometimes referred to um, holding my rosary beads as holding Mary's hand. Mm -hmm. Like, Sometimes like, I don't always like my children don't always have to talk with me. Sometimes they just want to sit next to me and hold my hand. In fact, sometimes they really like it when I don't talk. <laughs> like, Just be quiet, mom. I just want to be near you because you bring me comfort. But I don't need your advice right now. I don't need. Um, and talking about praying for people, you made me think of that. One of the ways I use my rosary beads is as a spiritual abacus. And, you know, sometimes I get a lot of prayer requests and I don't always you know, find time to pray for them. But I have started many years ago, I started to each bead, uh, just visualize. I'm also a visual person. I just visualize that person. And it was um, the first time I did it, I found myself kind of traveling through old neighborhoods. Like I maybe started praying about an old neighbor. And next I thought of the neighbor next to that and the next to that. And then I'd be next thing I know, I'd be in like fourth grade. I'm like, oh, remember that kid? And I would think of a teacher and it was such a beautiful way to pray because sometimes I can get very distracted in my prayer. Um, I need to usually walk around when I pray the rosary because if I sit, I can sometimes nod off. But I, <laughs> I don't know anyone just, like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, just, you know, at the end, though, I would realize, oh, my goodness, I just prayed for 55 people at yeah. least. And that is such a gift that God gives us that we can lift each other in prayer, that mm -hmm. we can be prayer support for the, our loved ones, for people who don't even know us. Like one of the things I do with Facebook is I pray my Facebook feed because I can either get frustrated by yep. it or I can pray through it. And I prefer to pray through it. It's a much, much healthier way to um, use social media. Yeah. I want to come back now again to the miraculous medal, not because there's anything specifically about that devotion, but I, I like following that train through. Um Tell me if you have in, in your mind a time where in a place of anxiety or in a place of uncertainty, the miraculous medal itself and the fact that you were wearing it drew you back into your awareness of the presence of God. Oh, I know exactly where I was. I was in China adopting my little girl, who's the story, again, encountering signs of faith. The book is um, about sacramentals, but it's also about the adoption of my daughter, Faith from China, who's profoundly deaf. And I remember being in China in a hotel room and suddenly um, I started to feel like I was getting an eye infection. 
And it couldn't have been a worse time for that. Like, I don't want to go to the doctors here. I just want to focus on my daughter. It was during the swine flu epidemic. It was just a really difficult time. And I remember grabbing onto the miraculous metal, going to my knees and just praying the Hail Mary over and over again. Um, and I even remember touching the metal to my eye. Again, it's not a, it's not magic. It didn't heal me from magic. But I know that my prayers, like the, the coolness of it, helped me remember that whatever's going to happen, the Lord is with me and it's going to be fine. And it did miraculously clear up after that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was definitely, I, I remember grabbing for it, hold, feeling the coolness of the metal and just falling to my knees and praying Hail Marys and said, you know, you brought me all the way here. I know that you have a plan and your purpose in this, but um, just keeping myself focused on that moment and trusting the Lord in it. And praise God, it did heal up without any mm-hmm. intervention. We, as a as an anxious people, and, I, and I'm going to say that really, there, some of us are more anxious than others, obviously, but if you just look at the culture around us and you see the polarization, there is a great sense of, of anxiety, whether it's our own personal lives or whether it's the, the communal life uh, of our culture. There's this sense of things aren't going to work out and everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket and I'm going to be stuck, right? There's, there's this yeah. sense of anxiety. Yeah. Um. I am I'm firmly believing that part of this communion of the saints is God's effort to give us that glimpse into all will be well in the end. And if it's not well, it's not the end, right? Just that all things work <laughs> together for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose, right? That we get so stuck in our present moment that we forget the long arc and trajectory of history. And I think that the saints help us do that to see the full arc of a person's life and not just those stressful, tragic moments. Right. I think they help us to look upward and outward. So I think sometimes our anxiety comes from being too, uh, what do the people say? Navel gazing too Mm -hmm. inwardly focused. But when I start to think about heaven, when I start to think about the saints, when I think of heavenly things, my attention automatically goes upward. And when I go upward, it automatically goes outward to others because what did the saints do? They served, they were God's hands and feet. They were they saw the um the poor and the needy and the those that that they could serve. And you can't serve and love others when you're completely engrossed in yourself. And being outwardly focused, upwardly focused, I find that my anxiety is also harder for me to maintain. Mm-hmm. Like it's harder for me. Like once I get out of my head, once I get into the world and into heaven and, and prayer and um, kind of transport myself spiritually to thinking of the lives of the saints. So some of them had some pretty tragic earthly lives, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but we remember them. We're still talking about them thousands of years later because they had a faith and they trusted in the good news. They trusted in the message that Christ had. And I want to be that person. And I know to do that, I can't be, I can't be inward thinking of all the, the, the worst things that can happen. Cause there's some pretty horrible things that can happen. <laughs> I love, um, Jesus's response to anxiety. Uh, 
who of you by worrying can add any uh, anything, uh, a hair to your head, right? A uh, cubit to your lifespan. Right? He, <laughs> he doesn't say there's nothing to worry about. He's He says, you have no control over anything. And so why waste the energy, right? Right. That there is someone who has control over all things. And we we find peace when we let those things go into his hand. That let, um, As Paul was saying, think on what is good and true and beautiful and just, uh, think on those things and let the other things go, uh, be anxious over nothing right there in that same passage. But then he gives us that, that, uh, prescription of what, what it is we should do be anxious over nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present Mm -hmm. your request to God. So uh, let's, let's look at that that passage of scripture real quick. What does it look like for you, whether it be with sacramentals or just other prayer practices to turn your anxiety into Thanksgiving? Well, Philippians 4, 6 was the actual first Bible scripture verse I ever, ever memorized because I had never been introduced to scripture at all. Um, So for me to turn things into Thanksgiving is to remember of who who I belong to Mm -hmm. and that everything in my life the air, the, the fact that I, I live, that I have air to breathe, that I have a, a roof over my head, um, even if that roof is leaking, um, all of it is from God. And my first response to God always should be thanksgiving. When you think about the greatest sacrament we have, right? It's the Eucharist. And what does that mean? Thanksgiving. thanksgiving yeah. So it's turning to him and remembering, even sometimes that can be hard, but remembering he loved me into existence and all that I have, who I am, that I exist at all, is because of him. And so I thank him for that. Even if I, my next words happen to be rattling off everything I'm worried about, the first thing I try to do is I thank you, Lord, for the life you've given me, for the child who's making me nuts right now, for <laughs> the, job, the job I'm struggling to get complete. But I thank you for that. That's one of the ways I try to do that. Mm-hmm. And what, what a perspective shift that is because it it takes those things even those anxieties and says that these are still good things and my anxiety about them is tied up in the fact that I love these things and and it's somehow mm-hmm. somehow the fear of loss of that is causing anxiety but I put that in your hands God because you are capable of making all of these things yeah what they're supposed to be. And I try to do like what he says in John uh, 14 or 15, or maybe in both of them, he says, you know, abide in me, let not your heart be troubled. And abide isn't like just, you know, having residence someplace. This is a place you're cozy. Like you, you, you abide, you dwell there. You, this is home Mm -hmm. to abide someplace, to live fully. This is everything. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that. I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination. Read the book. You'll see. But I try because what I'm called to do. Yeah. We're talking today with Allison Gingras. The new book is Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with the Sacraments, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God. It's available right now on Ave Maria Press. Go and order it through uh, the, her website, Reconciled to You. I think there's a little discount there. You can find that at ReconcileToYou.com. Don't go to where there's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today with Allison Jingris. She's got a new book, Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with Sacramentals, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God. It's available right now on Ave Maria Press. Uh, Allison, we've been, we, we've known each other, gosh, now, um, seven years, six or seven years. That's, how is that even possible? I know, time flies when you're serving God. <laughs> <laughs> So th- this uh, this new book um, is is one that's of particular interest to me, and we talked about this a little bit earlier because uh, sacramentals were something that I didn't completely understand at the beginning, uh, and and now and now my house is covered with them. Like well, <laughs> you you mentioned, you we've been talking about the miraculous medal, we've been talking about the rosary, but there's more to it than that. Uh, just about any item that you can bless becomes a sacramental. So uh, when we go on um, on Palm Sunday and they bless the palms as part of Mass and we bring them home, guess what? That thing that we bring home, that's a sacramental and it needs to be treated with uh, uh, differently than if it were just dried palm leaves because these are things that are there to dispose us to the graces of God. Uh, we've got um, icons and, and crucifixes and holy water fonts in just about every wall in the house. If you turn your eyes, you're going to see some uh, some image of Our Lady or some uh, statue of St. Joseph or some uh, crucifix that the children got for for their baptismal uh, day. Uh, and, and all of these things are there uh, to remind us of God's nearness and to dispose us to His grace. Uh, but one thing in particular, specifically for those of us who are parents— we know intellectually that our children are concrete thinkers and that they have to be presented with things in a concrete way. Uh, I was having a conversation. I don't remember quite with you now, but, but he asked, uh, if your children are concrete thinkers, what concrete things do you have around your house that show them that God is present? Mm. And wow, that was a, a kind of a shocker uh, of a thought to say, okay, well, if all of our prayer practices are ethereal and abstract, how are our concrete thinkers of children going to understand that God is present with them, Who they who are not yet abstract thinkers? Uh, and so we kind of plastered our house. At, uh, we, we, don't, we were well on our way, to be honest, but we plastered the rest of our house and said, God is present here, and here are all of the places, and here are the places to fix your eyes and your attentions, and then we provide practices within those things to help them uh, tie the the practice of prayer to the visual that's there in front of them. I love that. And, and I kind of unfolded a lot of these because, um, as I mentioned, my daughter is adopted and she is profoundly deaf. And so we brought her home. She was almost four years old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to wait for her to, she had no language whatsoever, nothing. She uh, couldn't even write or um, she didn't couldn't write Chinese and nor could she um, she didn't have Chinese sign language. They hadn't given her any language. So it was going to take a while for her to build up. And I didn't want to wait that long for her to start to experience our beautiful faith. Mm-hmm. So I began showing her stained glass windows and like, you know, I couldn't completely explain the story, but I was giving her in an, in some some beginning uh 
insights. Like when you go through a picture book, we also did lots and lots of picture books. When you do, when you're trying to teach a child to read, you go through picture books. We would light candles after mass. And our church has on one side, the life side image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And on the other is the um, divine mercy uh, mm -hmm. image. And they're both like the life size. It's amazing just to be on either side of the uh, altar. And the candles are right in front of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who I absolutely adore. So we would, um, because if she says, am I not here? Who is your mother? So if you're a warrior, Our Lady of Guadalupe right. is, your is your gal. So we would light a candle and then I would, you know, kind of motion her over to the, the big, beautiful image of Our Lady. And I, this is how I started teaching her about intercessory, intercessory prayer. You know, we'd light the candle and I would tell her, like, it's going to stay flickering when we leave the church. Our prayers stay here with Jesus before mm -hmm. the tabernacle and they're going to stay with our Blessed Mother. And we'd kneel and we would pray to her and ask for her help with whatever um, intention we were bringing. And I know not at, at first she didn't really understand this. But over years, like we see with our children, whenever we teach them anything, we see it start to unfold. We see some to start to understand why we're doing these actions, why we bless ourselves with holy water when we walk into the church, you know, why we sprinkle holy water on, um, you know, in, in the in the home or in, in a brand new car or all those things like that we have these beautiful, like the, the, the water reminds us of our baptism. The water reminds us of the grace that God has for us. So this is kind of how these visuals started to unfold in our house. And again, I just kept putting them up like you, like let's plaster them everywhere because I I don't want people to come to my house and leave and not know that I love Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know, that old adage, if you were put on trial for being Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, if you come to my house, you're going to know this girl's Catholic. <laughs> yeah, people, we invite people over to the house and they're kind of looking really carefully for the numbers of, you know, going down the street, which is the right number. And then they see the four foot Mary statue in the 15 passenger <laughs> van. They're like, oh, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> never never really definitely enough. Enough evidence for you, too. Right. Never, never really thought the the the, you know, the fifteen passenger van was a a sign of faith, but apparently, for uh, when you're looking for our house, it is. It's these days. So let's talk about uh, you. You mentioned holy water uh, as a sacramental. We don't don't often think about that, but it is again um, remembering not only intellectually but but meditatively remembering our baptism, drawing us, even even the practice of, of genuflecting is this practice that further disposes us to remember that Christ is present and who he is and where he is, uh, as in being there present in the Eucharist, in the tabernacle with that sanctuary light on. Uh, what are some other practices that as you were moving from this place of worry to this place of trust— uh, and as a mother raising your daughter, what practices really helped you appropriate and understand the grace of God more fully? D, all of the above. <laughs> so you, that, that's not a, that's not a good answer. That's not a good, no, well, well, not a good so podcast answer. <laughs> we'll, we'll go. We'll go here. Uh, you mentioned novenas, and I personally, I think I may have successfully completed. <laughs> maybe three 
novenas. I've been a Catholic for well over 10 years, and uh, I have started so many. But in terms of actually successfully completing them as they are prescribed, I'm I'm not all that great at it. So so throw me the sales pitch. What has your experience with novenas been, and how has it helped you grow in your faith? It started over 40 years ago, my first novena. And it, um, I, I had a friend who I went to visit every weekend because her, her mother was a wonderful cook. She was a good Italian cook. They were such a loving, close-knit family. And at the time, my parents were divorcing. So I just loved being in that home. There was just so much love and, and connectiveness. And she could see that I, as a 16, 15, 16-year-old kid, needed some guidance. And she started to uh, give me little little things. And one of the things she gave me was a St. Therese card, which I still have sitting right in front of me now. Luckily, it came in plastic. So it's still 40 years later in great, great shape. And she taught me about the intercession of of um, the saints. And she said, this special novena to our um, to St. Therese, she will bring you a, a rose when you finish the novena. And this was a perfect one for you, Allison, because you have ADHD. It's only a five day. So novena usually means nine. But this one happens to only be five days. And so I started doing it. And I, I had specific prayers. I'll never forget this. 40 years. And I still remember I wanted a car, a job, and a boyfriend. I finished the prayer that that day. I went to a friend's house. We were playing badminton, and I landed in a rose bush. And I ended up in the ER because I smashed my knee. I'm like, really? This prayer, my house gets struck by lightning. Now I get thrown into a rose bush. Right. Like, I don't think I want to do this prayer thing. But when I, <laughs> but what I realized was that, like, I was praying. It was this beautiful lesson in in, in prayer. You know, and, and it's not like it's a, a you don't rub the, the novena card and get all your wishes. It's not a, a crystal ball. But it really started to teach me this discipline of prayer. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, I did have all three, a job, a boyfriend and a car. But I'm not saying this prayer worked, but, but it did teach me a lot. And I've been still praying it. But here's how I remember now to pray novenas. Like, I love them because they give me something to do. When I'm worrying, they give me a concrete thing to do. They give me great words when I can't think of any, but I put them on my calendar. I set reminders on my watch. I set reminders on, I send myself emails. Like I will pray it and then email myself the next day with a reminder, pray day two, pray day three. Mm -hmm. And the St. Therese one is just really powerful to the point where I got kind of bratty about it. And I said, okay, I'm going to test you. And I don't want it just any rose especially with the internet, like roses are everywhere. I want purple roses. And it's the craziest thing. I get them each time. And and again, the, the rose isn't saying, you're going to get what you asked for, Allison. It is, I have heard your prayer and I have brought it to the Lord to answer according to his will. And sometimes it's all I need to know. <laughs> I, 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 You said it so beautifully. I tend to think of it as, see, I told you so, I'm here. <laughs> Right. That's funny. So, so as this airs, uh, tomorrow we're celebrating the first Sunday in Advent. Um, Advent, I think, even if you are horrible, as as I have been in the past, even if you're horrible at those sacramental practices, Advent is the perfect time. Because you've got the nativity scene, the crash. You've got mm-hmm. the Advent candles that you can pray around every night and light the candles with the kids. You've got all of these visual things that are part of 
are Christmas decorations, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that that are kind of like jumpstarting, you know, you've got a dead battery, you you hook up the cables and you jumpstart the car. This is the jumpstarting of that sacramental living, living through practicing sacramentals. This is the perfect time to start. Um, we've got a whole bunch of things that we do in our house. One of them is every single night we read, we don't do this all year, but during Advent, we read the missile, the mass readings of the day around the the whatever lit candle there is from however many Sundays of Advent, how many weeks of Advent it is. Um, and, and the kids will put their own intention in as well. And then they all, this is my favorite part, and I mention it every year. They all have to, when we blow out the candles, they have to tiptoe to bed in silence. And they just kind of whisper, and it's just a little tiptoe. It's a lot of fun. They 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 oh. enjoy it so much. Um what are some practices Cute. like sacramental living practices that your family has done through the Advent season? Well, one of the things that my husband and I, speaking of novenas, is that we do the St. Andrew Christmas novena. It starts November 30th and it goes all the way through um, Christmas Eve. And it's not a prayer. Like my husband, my husband's a deacon mm-hmm. and we still don't pray together every night. We don't, we, we never, we've been together since we were 16 and 18. And I don't know if it's because we were so young. We just never really got into that um, practice of praying together. But this is a gift we give our family for Advent is that we pray together this um, 30 days or how many it ends up the 26, 27 days, but we pray it for our family. We mm-hmm. pray it for our children because we can buy them all kinds of things. And we do pray for our children normally. Like we, we do include them in our prayer requests, but there's just this, this prayer was introduced to me uh, during a really difficult time with one of my children and my husband and I prayed it. And I just saw such a change in my son like he received that grace and didn't cure the the situation we were having, but there was peace in it. And we were able to finally address him with what we needed to. And um, and I think there was also this strengthening. We gave our this gift to our marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talk about Christmas being all of this time for gift giving, but some of the gifts that we can give and as we prepare, Advent is preparing for that, the greatest gift ever given ever, which was Jesus to give ourselves the gift of prayer, to look at these devotions, like to, to make time to, to pray around the Advent camp, the wreath, to light these candles, even if it's just during dinner time. Like we, you know, my kids are, are much older and they no longer will sit and pray with me. And you know, we, we're, we're going through those young adult uh, phases of, I may live under your roots, but I, I don't need to follow what you do and what you taught me to do. Grumble, grumble. But they will be anxious oh, for nothing. Oh, parenting. It's just one long prayer request. Yeah. But for 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 dinner in our home, if they're with us, if we light a candle, if we say a prayer when we light the candle, they're they're seeing that practice. Mm-hmm. And so there's different ways that you can bring in um, the, yeah. the sacramentals. That's a great that was a great point. I, and I do talk about the Advent wreath in um, encountering signs of faith. I want to I, I don't have access to it. I would love to get that novena from you. We'll put it up on our social media over facebook.com slash step outside the walls. We've been talking today with Allison Jingris, who is the founder of Reconciled to You Ministries. Find her website at reconciledtoyou.com. And the new book is Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with Sacramentals, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God, available right now on Ave Maria Press. 
Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. As always, it's a pleasure to spend time with you, TL. If you missed any part of my conversation with Allison or you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. And if you can't get enough, I've got good news. There's more. There's always more because I can't help myself. And we keep talking after the episode is over. Uh, And so we make those extra segments available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Our Patreon support community helps keep us on the air. And in gratitude, we like to give them a little bit extra. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, Over at OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link. Uh, There it'll take you. You can see the various support levels, but you'll also find some of those older extra segments that have now been made available to the general public. Uh, You can listen through them and see if that might be something you'd like to be a part of. Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps us read scripture in light of church teaching by putting the magisterium at your fingertips, linking scripture to the fathers and doctors of the church, magisterial documents, biblical commentaries, and so much more. You can learn more at Verbum.com. Our reading from scripture today comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That reading comes again from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians right there at the very beginning, chapter 1. Now, there's a, uh, so much going on here. This is as Paul is beginning his letter. He's kind of laying out a thesis statement uh, for the book. But he starts off saying uh, that we are the recipients of every spiritual blessing, right? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places— This is what has been given to us through Christ. And of course, we receive the graces through the sacraments. Uh, But more than that, this is not just every grace. This is every, every spiritual blessing. This is when you read through the catechism, which we'll get to in a little bit. This is one of those places that, uh, that are footnoted as we're talking about sacramentals is that the blessings are all-encompassing, and all of these things, all of these blessings that we receive, dispose us more and more to live out that adoption, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us before the foundations of the world for this purpose, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And so this is part of what the sacramentals do. Uh, Sacraments give us the graces of God, but the sacramentals kind of keep us focused on those things that are holy, that we would be holy and blameless before him that they fill up our attention and help us to meditate more fully on Christ and to be near Christ. Uh, I think of, as we've just passed uh, Thanksgiving and we're coming up on Christmas, I think of those little trinkets or those notes that we send uh, to one another to remind us uh, that soon we're going to be with our beloved, right? So maybe we're going to go travel to be with family, but even in the absence of our family, right, we still have the notes that go back and forth. Um, my uh, my mother-in-law sends postcards periodically to the kids when she uh, when she's traveling or when she can't be near, and that's kind of a sign to them of her presence and a reminder that 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 presence is coming again. And to me, that's a, a good metaphor for what these sacramentals do for us, as we have that that little enduring promise of what's coming, of the fuller presence. And of course, those sacramentals dispose us more fully to be to better receive the sacraments, the fullness of that grace. Now, let's turn our attention to our reading from, uh, from church history, except this time it's not too far back in the history. We're going to read the catechism. Allison mentioned that early on she had not really received a good catechesis about the sacramentals. And so we're going to take some time and see what has the church given us in the the catechism of the Catholic church to help us more fully understand what these sacramentals are. So we start in uh, the paragraph 1667 and we hear this. Holy mother church has moreover instituted sacramentals These are sacred signs which bear a resemblance to the sacraments. They signify effects, particularly of a spiritual nature, which are obtained through the intercession of the church. By them, men are disposed to receive the chief effect of the sacraments, and various occasions in life are rendered holy. Sacramentals are instituted for the sanctification of certain ministries of the church, certain states of life, and a great variety of circumstances in Christian life, and the use of many things helpful to man. In accordance with Bishop's pastoral decisions, they can also respond to the needs, culture, and special history of the Christian people of a particular region or time. They always include a prayer, and often, accompanied by a specific sign, such as the laying on of hands, the sign of the cross, or the sprinkling of holy water, which recalls baptism. Sacramentals derive from the baptismal priesthood. Every baptized person is called to be a blessing and to bless. Hence, lay people may preside at certain blessings. The more a blessing concerns ecclesial and sacramental life, the more its administration is reserved to the ordained ministry, bishops, priests, or deacons. Sacramentals do not confer grace of the Holy Spirit in the way that sacraments do, 
but by the church's prayer, they prepare us to receive grace and dispose us to cooperate with it. For well-disposed members of the faithful, the liturgy of the sacraments and sacramentals sanctifies almost every event of their lives with the divine grace which flows from the paschal mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. From this source, all sacraments and sacramentals draw their power. There is scarcely any proper use of material things which cannot be thus directed towards the sanctification of men and the praise of God. Among sacramentals, blessings of persons, meals, objects, and places come first. Every blessing praises God and prays for his gifts. In Christ, Christians are blessed by God the Father with every spiritual blessing. This is why the church imparts blessings by invoking the name of Jesus, usually while making the holy sign of the cross of Christ. Besides sacramental liturgy and sacramentals, catechesis must take into account the forms of piety and popular devotions among the faithful. The religious sense of the Christian people has always found expression in various forms of piety surrounding the church's sacramental life, such as the veneration of relics, visits to sanctuaries, pilgrimages, processions, the stations of the cross, religious dances, the rosaries, medals, etc. These expressions of piety extend the liturgical life of the church, but do not replace it. They should be so drawn up that they harmonize with the liturgical seasons according to the sacramental liturgy, are in some way derived from it, and lead people to it, since in fact the liturgy by its very nature is far superior to any of them. Pastoral discernment is needed to sustain and support popular piety, and if necessary, to purify and correct the religious sense which underlies these devotions, so that the faithful may advance in the knowledge of the mystery of Christ. Their exercise is subject to the care and judgment of the bishops and to the general norms of the church. At its core, the piety of the people is a storehouse of values that offers answers of Christian wisdom to the great questions of life. The Catholic wisdom of the people is capable of fashioning a vital synthesis. It creatively combines the divine and the human. Christ and Mary, spirit and body, communion and institution, person and community, faith and homeland, intelligence and emotion. This wisdom is a Christian humanism that radically affirms the dignity of every person as a child of God, establishes a basic fraternity, and teaches people to encounter nature and understand work, provides reasons for joy and humor even in the midst of a very hard life. For the people, this wisdom is also a principle of discernment and an evangelical instinct through which they spontaneously sense when the gospel is served in the church and when it is emptied of its content and stifled by other interests. That reading again comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church in the section on sacramentals. That's all the time we have for the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by Phil and Tina Parker and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and join their numbers. Come and be a part of the ongoing conversation over on social media over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. And until next week, may the Lord 
bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.